Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, a Mason Avenue's minor league podcast. I am Steve Seiper, and I'll be joined by the other guys in a little bit, but we are recording in the immediate aftermath of the trade deadline. The trade deadline just passed, Uh, you know, the actual deadline was 6pm on Tuesday, so this week we're going to to be discussing the trade deadline and some raw emotions here. And, you know, I'm just going to jump right into things and uh, going to be discussing the newest Met, Juan Soto. Guys, I did not think it would happen, but man, I can't believe... Oh, wait, what? Oh, okay. I'm, I'm being told that that didn't actually happen. All right. No, it's fine. That's fine. No matter. Mets made a couple of moves. So instead, um, you know, I'll, I'll talk about one of those. Wilson Contreras, David Robertson, both of those guys. Wait. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I am being told that the Mets did not make a trade for either Wilson Contreras or David Robertson. <sighs> Alrighty then. So, yeah, the Mets had the most Metsian trade deadline. Um, they were kind of meh. Didn't really do anything insane. Didn't really do anything terrible. Didn't really do anything, period. Uh, they made two moves that are overall good, but underwhelming. They acquired Darren Ruff, 
and Michael Gibbons. First up, Darren Ruff. On the surface, he sucks. Look under the surface, well, he still sucks. But, 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 he does have some utility. Um, A, he's under team control for the rest of the season and then next season, so he's not a true rental. But in addition to that, for his career, he's he's hit left-handers pretty decently. He has a 153-weighted RC+. Um, against left-handers for his career and a 151 WRC plus for this season. So basically, you know, in line with his career numbers. As for what they gave up for him, J.D. Davis. Eh, he sucks. I never was a fan. I'd rather still have Ross Adolph and Luis Santana in the system. Whatever. J.D. Davis for Darren Ruff. Okay, that's fair to me. Thomas Zipucky. Um, He's going to San Francisco too. All right. No big loss. I've seen a lot of Thomas Zipucky. I'm not going to say that he was complete toast, but he really did not look like a major league to me. And Nick Zwack. Huh. All right. Now the scale's starting to tip a little bit. Nick Zwack was dominating high A, partially because he is a little older than the competition, partially because he does have his home field at Maimonides Park, but also his stuff is pretty solid. Sinker has above average spin, so it gets a lot of horizontal and vertical movement. His slider is pretty solid. It has uh, gyroscopic traits, so a lot of vertical movement. Um, Changeup is pretty decent. He has problems commanding it, though, so, you know, he misses his spots with it a lot, but it does get a lot of swings and misses. All right, those guys are Darren Ruff. Well, eh. And Carson Seymour. Now, come on. Come on now. Like Nick Zwack, he's been dominating high A for the, basically the same exact reasons, actually. Seymour is a big sinker guy. Uh, his has a little bit more velocity than the Nick Zwack's. Uh, he has a gyroscopic slider and a changeup, and his changeup is better than Nick Zwack's. As, uh, on the whole, he is a better player than Nick Zwack. Um, look, do I think that these guys are going to turn into high-level Major League contributors? No, I don't think so. There's a chance, um, but unlikely. Do these guys turn into guys that make some sort of contribution at the major league level eventually? I think so. There's definitely a good chance for all of those guys, to be honest. Darren Ruff probably will be... uh, will have more of an impact on the Mets than any of these three players. I mean, obviously they're traded now, but, (laughs) um, you know, if they weren't traded, probably Darren Ruff. So, you know, results-wise, the Mets are probably getting the better of the deal in the immediate future. But just the whole thing, it it feels like it's a bad process move. A, is the short side of a platoon really worth going out and acquiring and spending assets on? I mean... Dan Ruff is going to see action once or twice a week, plus the occasional pinch-hitting appearance. Mm, you determine that. B. If a right-hander who really can't hit left-handers, great, is something you want on your roster, why was Mark Vientos or Francisco Alvarez not given a chance at any point in the last month or two? Vientos is hitting 267, 351, 424 as a whole. And against left-handers, he's hitting 337, 400, 750. 
And Francisco Alvarez is hitting 259, 368, 531 on the hole, and 275, 395, 22 against left-handers. Mm. Both of those things aside now, by making the moves that the Mets made here, they're kind of they're making marginal upgrades by trading system depth. And the kinds of players who turn into those marginal players that they're trading for. Uh, you know, in a, in a couple of years, Thomas Zipucky, Nick Zwack, ne- uh, uh, Carson Seymour, they might be solid middle relievers, a la how Colin Holderman became a solid middle reliever for the Mets. By trading away these kinds of unspectacular minor leaguers who occasionally develop into unspectacular but perfectly cromulent major leaguers, you're basically now guaranteeing that you're going to have to either sign these kinds of players during the offseason or trade for them on a semi-regular basis because they're not popping during the season. It's, a, it's a basically it's a deadly cycle. Mets didn't really sign any of those types of players, so here we are trading for them, depleting the, the, the system of guys that might turn into these kinds of players, thereby necessitating the need to trade for them in the future. Ugh. Speaking of relievers, now we'll get to the second trade. Um, Mets acquired Michael Givens. Solid move. Can't really complain. He's got a decent track record. He's having one of his best seasons this year, actually. And he has uh, experience pitching in high levels, high leverage situations. So really, there's nothing, there's really nothing to dislike. They got him in exchange for Saul Gonzalez, who was drafted in 2018 and currently has a 281 ERA for St. Lucie this season in 25 and two-thirds innings with seven walks and 29 strikeouts. I liked Saul at the time. He's a big kid. He's six foot seven, almost three hundred pounds. So that's fun. Um, you know, but his fastball is just all right, and that's basically all he has. It's an okay fastball, averaged ninety-two miles per hour or so, with um, a higher than average spin rate. And of course, because he's six seven, it gets good extension. But it's hard to have much of a future with basically one pitch, and that really is all that Sol Gonzalez has, is just one pitch. I did the math. He threw his fastball 70% of the time. Uh, he threw his slider 18% of the time, and then a combination of his curveball, changeup, and cutter, that makes up the rest. And the slider is not really a particularly great pitch either. Um, it's not bad, but it's not good. It's like fringe average at best right now. So... He kind of is just a one-pitch pitcher. And, you know, giving that up, you know, he's young, 22 this season. He has an okay fastball, and he's tall. I mean, those are really his best attributes. Giving that up for a solid reliever in Givens, you know, uh, I find that hard to complain about. And I'm very, I'm a complainer. I could find a lot of things to complain about. But that's not one of them, remarkably. Uh, you know, Givens, like I said, he's a solid reliever, and hopefully his presence in the uh, Mets bullpen makes a difference. So yeah, the Mets, uh, they they improved the team, but here's the thing now. Did they improve enough? Uh, I really wasn't a fan of mortgaging the farm for Juan Soto or overpaying for Wilson Contreras, but no doubt about it, those moves would have improved the Mets exponentially. These moves, they they do improve the Mets, but not really all that much. The Mets did get better, there's no doubt about it. But in a kind of, you know, 
if you think about it from a different point of view, even though the Mets did get better, they also kind of got worse. The Padres, they got a shit ton better. The Braves got a lot better. Some of the other NL teams that are going to be making playoff pushes, they got better. A bunch of the AL contenders that will be in the playoffs or trying to get there, they're better. And you can make the case that because everybody else took bigger steps forward, the Mets kind of lost ground in in, in totality. So yeah, um, the trading deadline 2022. Uh, good, bad, somewhere in the middle, whatever you want to consider. A victory, a loss, whatever. <laughs> At the very least, uh, the last you know week or so has been interesting, and today was definitely uh, an exciting day, to say the least. Hey everyone, uh, Lucas here to talk about the Mets uh, deadline deals. Um, obviously, a little disappointing, and we'll talk about exactly why uh, as we go through uh, each of the deals that they made and the ones that they elected not to make. Um, real quick, let's just run through all four trades real quick. We have Colin Holderman for Daniel Vogelbach. We have a deal that basically amounts to uh, Jose Acuna for Tyler Naquin. Um, then we had J.D. Davis, Thomas Apucky, Nick Swack, and Carson Seymour for Darren Ruff. And finally, right at the, the death, they traded Sal Gonzalez for Michael Givens. Um, so I'll, I'll admit I was extremely disappointed uh, in the immediate aftermath of this trade deadline. Um, they obviously didn't add a, a big time bat, right? They didn't add JD Martinez. They didn't go out and get a catching upgrade, right? They didn't uh, get Christian Vasquez and, and Wilson Contreras wound up not even moving. Um, and all of that is, I, th- I thought, problematic. Now, having sat on it and thought <clears throat> more about it, I think the pieces they added on the offensive side are actually pretty good. Um, they have a really effective DH platoon now with Daniel Vogelbach and, and Darren Ruff. Vogelbach kills righties. Darren Ruff has like a 160 weighted against lefties. Um, and frankly, I don't know that at this point in their careers, there's a whole lot of difference between uh, uh, Darren Ruff and J.D. Martinez. And that probably sounds insane. And, and honestly, on its face, it is a little bit insane. But if you're going to use them in a strict platoon role... Uh, I'm not sure that paying the extra value for the name of J.D. Martinez was really worthwhile. So I don't I don't hate the names they acquired there. Uh, Tyler Naquin, also a, a nice little pickup. Look, I like Travis Schinkowski, but he, he fits the roster. Naquin fits the roster well. Good foil to, to Mark Kana and let's let, let you keep McNeil in the infield. So at least from the perspective of the offensive names they acquired, it's fine. Um, but this is a minor league podcast, and let's talk about what they actually gave up below here right and we already talked about Holderman for Vogelbach I was not the biggest fan of that move because I I like Colin Holderman I think more than my co-hosts um but it was generally fine trading the problem nothing the Mets did here is catastrophic right it's nothing was here is as catastrophic as trading PCA for Javier Baez last year for instance um and frankly these are the kind of moves that a contender should probably make but it sure feels like the Mets got their pocket picked with both the Ruff and Naquin trades. Um, so Naquin, they gave up Jose Acuna. Uh, Acuna is someone who's been getting a lot of buzz. This is admittedly outside our usual sphere of knowledge, right? But we can talk to other people who talk to other people. And we know that Jose Acuna has been very impressive in, in St. Lucie. 
Um, and the Reds did a nice job of, of basically picking him off in the Mets in exchange for Tyler Naquin. And, yeah, that sucks, but you'll make a 20% marginal loss on this sort of trade. Like, it's not going to blow up in your face, really. For the the Darren Ruff one is even worse to me, honestly. And I, I don't care about J.D. Davis anymore at this point, right? If He's clearly not someone you want on a contending roster. Um, I don't... And Thomas Sapucky is probably cooked... Nick Swack looks fun, but is is a lefty sidearmy dude. Like it's it's nothing really. Losing Carson Seymour here, I think, is is an overpay, along with everything else they gave up. Uh, again, we're talking a 20 to 30 percent marginal value loss for a contender that really needs this addition. Like this is a pretty big uh, improvement to the major league roster. But giving up Carson Seymour here feels pretty bad. Um, like it, something I would have done if push comes to shove, but but not something I'm I'm thrilled about doing for to give up for the 36 year old rough, who it also seems like the Mets might have targeted because he had extra team control. So so I don't love that aspect of it either. Um, we should also talk about what the rough acquisition indicates and how that really goes contrary to what the Mets said and then how they acted. The Mets really postured in the media that they did not want to move Mark Vientos. I think the consensus on this podcast is that Mark Vientos is not very good, right? He's striking out a lot in AAA, he's hitting a lot of ground balls, his exit velocities are good, not great, and he only plays first base in DH, right? He dabbles at third. It's not a particularly appealing profile, but the Mets are talking about, we're talking about Vientos as if he was untouchable, and then went out and traded for a 36-year-old dude to play the role that Vientos nominally should be playing. Right? And to be clear, I did not want Vientos playing that role. I'm glad they went and got someone to fill that role instead. But if you're going to act like Mark Vientos is untouchable or really good, why the hell are you trading for Darren Ruff? Right? It, it just makes no sense to me whatsoever, um, particularly given the, the relative acquisition price on... Someone like, uh, or the Christian Vasquez acquisition price was really low. Uh, Kurt Casale got traded for almost nothing. Like There were opportunities out here to do something else offensively, to get a better bat, to, to fix catcher. And the Mets uh, didn't. And it just makes no sense. Uh, so the players are fine. Could have been better. The cost was a little high. Annoying, but acceptable on the position player side. Let's go to the bullpen. The Mets have a bullpen problem, right? There is maybe one reliever. You trust Edwin Diaz at this point. Seth Lugo can't go back-to-back and has been hit or miss all season. Trevor May is coming back from a shoulder injury. Adam Odovino intermittently can't find the plate. Drew Smith just went on the 60-day IL. This is not a good bullpen. And the Mets' solution to this was to hug their prospects and trade for Michael Givens, who has a, had a 126 DRA minus in 2020, a 102 DRA minus in 2021, and after his first disastrous outing with the Mets, is probably going to have a DRA minus of around 90 to 95. I don't really care about what the Mets... Like, Saul Gonzalez was an, was an okay relief prospect. I don't care, but the fact that you could look at this roster and say... Our bullpen is adequate. We're not going to do anything. The only thing we're going to do is add a sixth inning arm and call it good. 
is just insane to me, right? You look at what the, for instance, the Cubs got Ben Brown from the Phillies for David Robertson. Ben Brown's a nice little prospect. The Mets should have been the ones doing that. They didn't engage with the Tigers on Gregory Soto a ton or Michael Fulmer. The Braves took on Raysel Iglesias' contract for free, basically. And Iglesias has a, a sizable contract, but the Mets didn't even, like, entertain that for in terms of what we can see. Um, and I know Iglesias' ERA is a little ugly this year, but his peripherals are still excellent. His DRA is still well above average. Like, the dude is extremely good. I mean, he's signed, signed expensively through 2025, which is a little ugly, but uh, that the Mets... Again, getting back to her point about Mark Vientos and Darren Routh, that the Mets decided that we were not going to deal Mark Vientos, we're not going to need deal Ronnie Mauricio, not going to even deal Matt Allen, who the Cubs reportedly like, is insane, right? Just factually insane. The, the, and and look, maybe the Cubs were asking for something ridiculous. Maybe if the Cubs were asking for Brett Beatty or Francisco Alvarez for Wilson Contreras, you tell them to go screw. It's fine. That that's okay. Same thing goes for JD Martinez. But if it came down to the Cubs saying, yeah, if you want David Robertson and Wilson Contreras, for, and we, if you want those two, you have to give us Matt Allen and Mark Vientos, sorry, that's something you do as a contender. And I'd rather make that sort of overpay than these really marginal overpays that, that don't actually improve the roster all that much. Eventually, the one you're going to get burned on one of these marginal overpays, right? Like uh, Jose Acuna is going to really break out sometime. Arguably, this already happened to them last year with, with PCA. Um so, overall, just a really disappointing deadline where they hugged the wrong guys, prioritized the wrong deals, and and did not act decisively to, to improve the roster in a meaningful way. And uh, I really fear they missed their best – they've missed their – similar to what happened with Ahmed Rosario um, – I fear they've now probably missed their best opportunities to extract value from Ronnie Mauricio and, and Mark Vientos, and, and that's very irritating given where the major league roster is right now. So overall, a, a very disappointing deadline. Nothing catastrophic. They didn't do anything colossally stupid, but uh, just not not a great performance overall. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, generally speaking, I think the Mets um, trade deadline this year was, was a bit underwhelming. Uh, instead of going for a big upgrade at a position of need or, or positions of need, um, that you know would make the team a lot better. They instead kind of brought in a few complementary pieces, um, and uh, generally speaking, I think they underdid it a little bit. Um, so if you look at the team uh, heading into the trade deadline, there were three big areas for concern with the roster. Uh, the first and probably the easiest to fix was DH. Uh, the team hasn't been getting a ton of production out of the DH spot other than when, you know, regulars at other positions uh, were playing. And uh, to their credit, the Mets did a fairly good job of, of this. They uh, traded Colin Holderman for Dan Vogelbach, who I've, I've long been fascinated by. It's uh, just an absurdly good hitter against right right-handed pitching. And uh, to complement him, they, you know, traded J.D. Davis, Thomas Zipucky, Carson Seymour, and Nick Zwack to the Giants for Darren Ruff, um, who, you know, destroys left-handed pitching. So they kind of, I think they did pretty well here. I think they definitely overpaid for Darren Ruff. I mean, it's literally Darren Ruff. Um, and... Um, you know, while I don't think any of the players they gave up would necess- are necessarily going to be missed, um, Carson Seymour has been getting some buzz as a potential guy. Um, I think they, they could have held on to uh, the two lower-level flyers, possibly. I, it just feels a little weird. Like, Darren Ruff is, is an older player. Um, yes, I get he's under control for a few years at, at a cheap value, but... It's also like a borderline, I don't know. Um, it's just, it seems like a lot to give up for literally just Darren Ruff. But he fits the roster, and um, I, I think DH is now going to be a strong so, a strong point. Uh, Vogelbach is, is no joke against righties, and, and Darren Ruff um, is very useful against lefties, and there's been some talk about he's particularly good against sinker ballers. So I don't know that Ruff. I think I think they did a good job at DH. Um, catcher, my God, uh, the catching situation has been a disaster all year. It upsets me that they don't think this is a problem because James McCann is coming back. I kind of get where they're coming from, but the whole point of having a you know Uncle Stevie or whatever is you know that he can spend his way out of problems like this. Or, you know, do things to fix problems like this. Did they need to go out and get Wilson Contreras? I'm not going to say they necessarily needed to, but they probably needed a body better than Tomas Nito or James McCann. I like Tomas Nito, but the guy hits like a pitcher. He should be your backup uh, on a team with a, with a strong regular. James McCann has not hit at all. <laughs> he has hit like a pitcher. And he's not that good a defender. This is a big issue with the roster. I think they really um, don't seem to think it is, and that's upsetting. Because, seriously, they're, you know, I think 22nd in the, 26th or 20, they're, they're in the bottom half of the league 
in catcher production, and a lot of the teams behind them uh, are, are teams actively not trying to win. So that's a problem. They failed to address it. It's annoying. Uh, the biggest and the most baffling to me um, is the bullpen. I don't understand. The bullpen's literally Edwin Diaz versus the world. All they did to, to you know, address this was bring in Saul Gonzalez or trade Saul Gonzalez for, for Michael Givens. Uh, I'm not lamenting the loss of Saul Gonzalez. Uh, I've always kind of liked Michael, Michael Givens, but I kind of can't believe that he's the only thing that they, the only person that they brought into this, this bullpen that really needed like another good option late in games. Like, Seth Lugo hasn't looked good <laughs> for large stretches of the year. Adam Adovino, you know, w- while having great stuff, is always going to walk way too many to be, you know, a guy you trust with the game on the line and then, you know, before you can get to Diaz. Joely Rodriguez is not <laughs> the guy you want facing Freddie Freeman uh, or, you know, Juan Soto or... You know any of the other big left-handed bats uh, that they're going to be facing down the stretch? How did they not think they needed a left-handed reliever? It just blows my mind. Um, so while there are some things to like here, I, I really just think the Mets got way too cute. They they really failed to improve on two of the three major weaknesses, uh, you know, with the team. And it's a little disheartening that they didn't really push to make as many improvements and and get better in the same way that some of the teams that they're going to be competing with, uh, you know, down the stretch and in the playoffs did. The Padres traded for Juan Soto. The Padres probably got like seven or eight wins better this deadline. You know, they're directly competing with the Padres for one of the top seeds uh, in, in the playoffs, which is meaningful. You, you skip one of the rounds. Um, you know, the Braves basically bought a bullpen. These are the team, the Phillies, the Phillies got significantly better. Not that it's going to matter uh, for the division at least, but all of these teams around the periphery got significantly better in a way that the Mets um, – didn't and it, it just feels complacent to me and uh, taking for granted that you know this team is good. Yes, this team is good. I agree. But are they so good that you know they shouldn't be trying to push for every win? No. Um. Yeah. So that's kind of um, the, the Mets had an opportunity here to use the feedback of the first half and. Um, you know, get better. They chose they chose to go halfway to where they wanted to be, and um, you know, I hope it doesn't come back to bite them. I also want to talk a little bit about how um, just asinine everything Billy Epler said about why they didn't go for you know more meaningful improvements. Uh, again, I don't fault them for not for looking at this roster and thinking they don't need a star, but like literally, they needed. You know, another left-handed pitcher and like any catcher, any starting level catcher <laughs> that they, they could possibly find to, to replace, you know, McCann. So um, 
Billy Epler talked a lot about how they didn't want to, um, you know, they didn't want to rob the future for the present. Uh, there's a lot of talk about how uh, little moves that decrease your, your championship odds by 1.5% uh, add up. I don't necessarily disagree with him, but I think he's overstating uh, and ignoring the context here, as Tim Britton of The Athletic pointed out. Uh, you know, that sort of 1.5% completely ignores that the 1.5% now in a pennant race, you know, is worth more than 1.5% later when we don't know what the context will be. Uh, Tim uses a great, you know, metaphor that that 1.5, an umbrella is worth more when it's raining than when it's not. That's, you know, he completely nails it. You know what that 1.5% is going to do now. It's going to give you meaningful wins in a context in which meaningful wins um, can can be significant. You know, 1.5 wins could end up being the difference between the division and the wild card. It probably will end up being the difference between a first round bye and having to, you know, play the wild card teams. That's a big deal, and it's not accounted for in that sort of um, analysis. And um, it just, it just, it's frustrating. This is a really good team. They, they deserve to, you know, be uh, believed in. Uh, and it, it especially falls flat because Billy Epler just traded Colin Holderman for, for Dan Vogelbach. He literally said he was robbing Peter to pay Paul. And, you know, like how much could any left-handed reliever cost? Any. <laughs> like Epler mentions that they, they held on to their, their top 19 prospects, uh, which, you know, while good is, is kind of meaningless given that the Mets current top 20, top 20 prospects is, is pretty thin. <laughs> like, I, again, there are guys you definitely could have given up for, um, you know, a serviceable left-handed reliever uh, that you're definitely not going to miss. And I, I think he misses that. Um, I think that's only correct in a model, which, you know, again, has a, is supposed to strip out context, but context is important here. Um, I think it's willfully obtuse. And um, yeah, really, really think um, that they, they didn't do enough here. Uh, so, yeah, that's my two cents and uh, kind of disappointed, but they are still a very good team. I still expect them to make the playoffs. I still think they have a pretty good shot at one of the, uh, you know, first round buys, one of the, the top seeds in the National League. Uh, just, you know, would have felt better if they had, you know, addressed the other two glaring weaknesses that have been staring them in the face since the offseason. Uh, and that they created by not, you know, doing more in the offseason. Um, so, LGM. So the Mets had, well, they had a trade deadline, as everyone does, because there is a trade deadline in Major League Baseball. And um, I got to say, I, in my personal opinion... I don't think it was a necessarily good deadline. I think it was a weird deadline. And I think 
a lot of the issues where the, that the Mets had in the deadline is they didn't do enough, which I think is going to be a surprising take considering I am on the minor league side of things, but I wish they, well, I wish they traded more prospects. Um, so to start it off, they, a few weeks ago, they did Daniel Vogelbach. They got Daniel Vogelbach for Colin Holderman, which honestly, at the end of the day, as much as Colin Holderman was a prospect in the system and an interesting, a rather somewhat interesting guy, I think that's even a stretch. I think he's not going to be very good. He doesn't strike out a lot of people. He doesn't miss a lot of bats. He's a 26-year-old rookie reliever who's been hurt a lot. If the Mets can't replace that on their own, then I think that will be a legitimate issue that we are talking about. That's not it's not Colin Holderman related. It's um it's Mets related. Um they also before the deadline traded um they acquired, I should say, Tyler Naquin and Philip Deal for Hector Rodriguez and Jose Acuna. Jose Acuna is definitely interesting. Hector Rodriguez is like a slap hitting lefty and middle infielder. So not to say that I don't care that he's gone, but I don't see the ceiling with him. But Acuna is actually an interesting young arm. But Tyler Naquin is... They probably got worked a little bit, not self-scouting perfectly in their lower minors, but also chances are this won't matter because most of the IFA guys who get signed and come through the system don't end up being good. Neraldo, Catalina, hello, I'm looking at you, who is a big deal when he was traded for Wilmer Font at the time. And he flamed out pretty quickly like that's definitely possible for Acuna also Acuna could be really good and you never know but Tyler Naquin is a necessary upgrade um he's gotten unlucky so far also Vogelback if we're going to talk about the major league side of things because we should that's the whole point of the deadline is Vogelback and Naquin are necessary upgrades to this team they replaced Travis Jankowski and Dominic Smith retrospective respectively I should say not retrospectively they replaced them respectively, and frankly, they are both way better than the guys that the Mets got off their roster for them. So, perfectly worth it. Now, we transport to the deadline, and this is where my big questions come. Mostly because I don't think they did enough, and I'm, I'll get into that in a minute. But at first, it didn't look like they were going to do much. Really, nothing at all. No names were being said around. It was like they were rumored to be in the running for some really good players and obviously they were in this they were kind of in the periphery of Soto but it's hard to imagine the Nationals doing that the Mets probably could have topped the Padres offer in my opinion but also Mike Rizzo was not trading Juan Soto to them in the division to the Mets it's just not going to happen um they were also in the running for Wilson Contreras and JD Martinez and they ended up getting Darren Ruff from the Giants for JD Davis Thomas Zapucky, Carson Seymour, and Nick Swack. Now, this looks like a lot because it's four players for a 36-year-old platoon bat, but frankly, I don't really mind losing three of these players, if that makes sense. J.D. Davis is literally the guy who Darren Ruff is replacing on the roster, and J.D. Davis did not look good ever for the past two years now. I don't know if it's that he needs to play all the time. I don't know if it's that... He it was a flash in the pan that he was good before. I don't know really what it is, but I just don't think that I think he lost. I think the likelihood is he lost a little bit of bat speed as he got a little older and he really needed all of it. And also the ball used to be juiced and now it's not. So that's fine. 
Now the prospects. Thomas Zipucky, everyone in this pod, everyone who listens to this podcast and is on this podcast has talked about and known about Thomas Zipucky forever. You know the deal with him. He looks like a quad A pitcher. They started moving him into the bullpen recently. I do not see that going well for him. It is what it is. It's upper minor depth. Nick Swack is an interesting prospect in that he was really good this year, but also he was 24 years old in high A, and that is way old for that competition. So you got to take his his productivity with a grain of salt as he's just there's more experience on his arm than what the two who he is facing there. Not to say that he him popping isn't a good thing for him and he might be a reliever in the future, but might be a reliever is not something I really am going to lose sleep over. Carson Seymour's the big prize and honestly I think the best prospect that they gave up in this entire trade deadline and if when you say that it sounds like it's a good thing, but I will explain why I don't think I think I still give this deadline a, a, around a D. But Carson Seymour is someone who could start. He might be a reliever. He's been very good this year. He popped. He's one of their breakout prospects. I I would put him, if he was still in the system, probably around the top 15. Um, that being said, I would trade a top 15 system in an average system, a top 15 prospect in an average system for a legitimate upgrade in Darren Ruff because Darren Ruff is... Even this year where he's having like a league average year all told, he's still killing lefties, and that's the Mets needed that. The Mets could not have J.D. Davis continue to take at-bats on a contending team. So Vogelback and Darren Ruff will combine into being a very good DH, even though it kind of messes up the flexibility on the bench. But the Mets kind of backed themselves into a corner with the way they did this. So they kind of had to do that. And the last thing they snuck this under the wire is they traded Saul Gonzalez for Michael Giveman, for, for Michael Givens, I should say. Saul Gonzalez is, Saul Gonzalez, I should say, is a 90s and slider relief pitcher in St. Lucie. I really should not, I really don't care much about that. Not to say that he's a worthless prospect or anything. Good for him. He's a reliever, but he's a reliever in in St. Lucie. You know the deal. Michael Givens is who he is. He's a 32-year-old reliever. You know the deal. That's kind of one of those things. You just needed a major league arm and you got one. So I don't really understand why Ronnie Mauricio and Mark Vientos are still in the system. Um, Darren Ruff basically blocks Vientos for the next two years. Um, you don't you don't spend as much prospect capital with Seymour and all the two other guys they traded and a controllable bat in J.D. Davis to DFA Darren Ruff at the end of the year because he's under team control until 2024. While it's cheap team control, and if something comes along where you can clearly upgrade on him, then you DFA him anyway. But I think the plan is that they they purposefully acquired two DHs who can be the DH for 2023 while you spend money elsewhere because both Vogelback and Ruff are under team control and cheap. That is what it is. They will they will combine to be a very good DH who is inefficient with your bench pieces and easy to move on from. But the Mets talked a big game about how good Mark Vientos was, and then they immediately replaced him with Darren Ruff. If they thought Vientos was that good, he would be in the majors. So what is he doing here? Is he an off-season trade? Are they just going to mess him around and keep him in AAA while Darren Ruff hits major league pitching? Mark Vientos is a first baseman DH. He's not really a third baseman anymore. He's not really an outfielder. You have Pete Alonso here. I don't really get the fit organizationally, and I think sometimes that the best thing a prospect could do for you is acquire a major league a major league piece elsewhere and see that prospect play in another system. Ronnie Mauricio has not arguably he definitely has backslid. Um, nationally and in, in the national rankings and in the local rankings, he I don't even know. He might be a late top 10, if top 10, with how many guys they added in the system this year. 
and other pop-up prospects and stuff like that. I don't really see the ceiling with him with how poor his swing decisions are and how, while he still has a lot of power, I think he's up to like 19 or 20 home runs, and he's playing okay defense, and he'll probably have to move to third, but probably could play there. It's more like I don't really see what the ceiling is for him. Um, I don't really see what you're doing with him if he's not walking at the double-A level. Like, it's going to be really, really hard for him to be a good major leaguer if he continues to swing the bat this way, and he might just need a change of scenery. The Mets might not know how to fix it. He might not be able to because sometimes that happens with prospects. So at the end of the day, I kind of wish, ironically from the minor league podcast, I wish they traded more of these guys. I'm not saying I wish they traded Ramirez or Beatty or Alvarez, even though I would have traded those guys for Soto or Otani or... Rafael Devers, if he was available, like Xander Bogarts would have been interesting as a very high-end rental. I don't know how far I would have gone, but I might have done a Ramirez type thing for him. Um, I'm not saying trade all your prospects and do a PCA for Baez, but I don't think the problem last year was PCA for Baez. I think the problem was they bought wrong last year, and then they learned the wrong lessons from last year to do it again. If the team was really good, like in, if the team was this good last year, and they were 20, 30 games over 500 and clearly very good and could make a run, I'd trade PCA for Baez all day because that's a huge fit that fills your major league roster, and the whole point of this is to win the World Series. The whole point of this is not to win the prospect rankings. I understand that coming from a minor league podcast, that might be a little controversial, but also at the end of the day, we are Mets fans. I'm not beholden to any of these prospects in that way, and I liked PCA. I was the one who liked him the most on the podcast. I picked him as my guy for the Mets to draft him, and I definitely would not have batted an eye if they held him like in an alternate reality where PCA is still a Met this year, and they traded him for a huge upgrade like a Baez level thing, and they weren't as scared. Then, sure, I would have done it easily. But all the reports that came out after the deadline was that the Mets were pretty much shook from the PCA for Baez deal and how they got pantsed by the Cubs pretty much and didn't want to have that again. But also sometimes you have to lose trades to win the World Series. Um, sometimes Lose trades to win the World Series is harsh. But sometimes you got to pay a lot. Like at the time, Ioannis, the Ioannis Cespedes trade was a big haul. Michael Fulmer won the Rookie of the Year. I would make that trade 10 times out of 10 again to go to the World Series. The Mets needed Cespedes to make a run like that. And they got the guy, even if it was at a prospect premium. And I do not regret it a single bit, especially... Like, I don't—it sounds hindsight's 2020 because Fulmer definitely did not retain his ace status, but even trading that rookie of the year in 2016 if the Mets missed the World Series doesn't really matter to me in 2015, if that makes sense. So, the long story short is I think the Mets did good complementary things. I really wish they made a big push and really went to the next level and really went all in, and they didn't. They kind of did a half measure, which is very Metsian despite a new ownership group and— Billy Epler running things more than Sandy Alderson, I would presume. But it, the players who they got will help, but also if they win the World Series, it won't be because of them, if that makes sense. And I wish that the Mets kind of took this opportunity to be a little more aggressive. Because while we talked a lot of shit about the system and said the system is pretty bad, there was a good influx of talent that, will makes, it, that makes it probably an average system all told. And you could trade a Mark Vientos because... I don't really see where his future role in the organization is. And you could trade a Mauricio because Francisco Lindor is here for a decade. And if you have to move him to third, Brett Beatty is here. And Mauricio is not a better prospect than Beatty, even if they're both third basemen. So 
I think the I think the Mets learned the wrong lessons from last year, and I hope that they don't continue that into the offseason and beyond when Steve Cohen's checkbook could really make up the difference in prospects, like um, the Dodgers did when they first got sold. They bought prospects basically with bad contracts, and they did a lot of creative stuff to fix their system, and the Mets did that this year. So that's really where I fall on the trade deadline, is that I, I'm underwhelmed. Not I'm not really... I will miss Carson Seymour, but not significantly so. I just wish that more people – I wish that they were a little more aggressive while you could have the, – the, I think the Mets missed the mark in not being aggressive while keeping Alvarez and Beatty and Ramirez anyway because those are still the guys you want to hold on to. All right, everybody. That is our show for the week. So if you have any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at KenLavin91. And Thomas is at SadMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Rate and review. And, of course, we thank you for listening. So we will be back next week. And until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.